0: or even the quality of an older person's healthcare. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Kernison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specializing in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. In today's episode, I am going to be talking about flu shots. It is September of 2020, and in the fall in North America, It means that it's that time of year when health providers start encouraging everyone over the age of six months to get their annual influenza vaccination. And we do this because the flu season tends to get going in November, so usually we want people vaccinated, ideally by the end of October. Now, because I know that many older adults and many people in general are skeptical of the need to get a yearly vaccine against influenza, A few years ago, I wrote a detailed article about flu shots for better health while aging, covering what to know about influenza and flu shots, including what to know about the special stronger vaccines that are available for older adults. And I also recorded a related podcast episode, which is episode 50. Since I first wrote the flu shot article in 2017, I've updated the article on the site every fall usually with a few details about which specific vaccines are available every year. But usually I don't record a whole new podcast episode. This year, however, it is 2020. And so we are about to embark in the Northern Hemisphere in our first full flu season in COVID times. So as everybody knows, the big news this year is that coronavirus, also known as COVID-19, came, it felt kind of out of the blue at the beginning of the year. And it's something that we are all as a society and as health professionals grappling with. So given that particular circumstance this year, and we also have two new flu shot vaccines available for older adults this fall, I've just completed a more extensive update of the flu shot article on better health while aging. There's a link in the show notes, of course. And in this podcast episode, I'm going to cover what's in that article. So it's partly about reviewing the basics of what I think all older adults and families should know about flu shots in general. And then I also have some additional information about getting vaccinated this particular fall. So in particular, what I'm going to cover in this episode are the basics of influenza and vaccination against the flu. And then I'm gonna talk about what we know about influenza and COVID-19 so far. I'm gonna talk about what to know about flu shots that are specific for older adults. I'm gonna touch on what's new uh, for the 2020-2021 flu season. I'm gonna give you my opinion on which influenza vaccination is probably best for most older adults. And then I'm going to close by talking about what you can do if your older parent or relative is unwilling or unable to get vaccinated. So let's get started. So first, the basics of influenza and vaccination. So first of all, what exactly is influenza? So you're probably all familiar with the term influenza and the flu, but people sometimes aren't sure exactly what that means. Influenza is a contagious respiratory viral illness, and it's caused by either influenza A or influenza B virus. So we have two main variants, A and B, that infect humans. There are a few other variants, but they don't cause a significant illness in humans as far as we know. And so the flu usually causes symptoms such as sore throat, stuffy nose, cough, fever, and body aches and people often think of it as being like a cold but much worse and with this feeling that you've been run over by a truck and in the northern hemisphere where i live since i live in the united states influenza is most common in the winter we see it peak pretty much every winter it usually peaks between december and february but it can start as early as october and occur as late as may so that's influenza and then as health providers we think of influenza as falling into two types uncomplicated and then complicated so uncomplicated is what most people will get and that's where the flu causes symptoms that are similar to but again usually worse than a bad cold and this usually gets better over five to seven days but in some people influenza causes more serious health problems so we call that complicated influenza or the related health problems complications And these are most likely to happen to people who are older or have other chronic conditions or have a weakened immune system. It can also sometimes happen to children. And the most common complication of influenza is pneumonia, which means a serious infection of the lungs. And these cases of pneumonia can be purely viral, but they can also sometimes be caused by bacteria, which are better able to infect the lungs due to the body being weakened by influenza infection. It's also been noticed that many older adults just seem to experience worsening of any pre existing chronic heart or lung conditions when they experience influenza. And these complications of influenza can cause hospitalization or death. So, those are what I would consider the basics of influenza. So, next, what's the usual impact of influenza for us as a society, as a population? And is it worse for older adults? So what's a little tricky about influenza is that it's worse some years than other years. So for instance, in 2017, 2018, we had an exceptionally bad flu season with an estimated 61,000 deaths related to the flu. And just to put that into context, uh, the Centers for Disease Control estimates that every year influenza affects nine to 45 million Americans and causes 12,000 to 61,000 deaths. So the 2017-2018 year was one of the years where we were at the top end of the range. Now, most people who get the flu, again, do get better without needing hospitalization, but some people get very sick. And older adults are especially likely to get dangerously ill from catching the flu. So in terms of why the flu is more severe in some years than other years, I think a good way to explain that is to actually go into reviewing how the flu shot helps protect one from influenza and how effective it is. So let's talk about that. So the way the flu vaccine works is it stimulates the body to produce antibodies against whatever strains of influenza were included in that year's vaccine. And after vaccination, it takes about two weeks for the body's immune system to create its influenza antibodies. And in general, our bodies are able to fight off viral infections much more quickly if we already have matching antibodies available when a virus tries to create illness in our bodies. If we don't have matching antibodies available, then we experience more illness and it will take longer for our immune systems to control the infection. So what's tricky about influenza is that both influenza A and B have a tendency to be constantly changing into slightly different strains. So your immunity that you develop one year doesn't carry over perfectly the following year. And so every year, scientists study which influenza strains are present. They predict which ones will be exposed to during the coming winter. And they develop vaccines based on that prediction to match those strains. And this is why you have to get another flu shot every year. And sometimes their prediction works out really well. And in that case, the vaccine We say it's well matched to the circulating influenza viruses and the vaccination will have been more effective in preventing the flu. But every now and then there are years in which the strains that circulate the most in the winter are not actually the ones that the scientists were expecting. And so those are years where the influenza vaccine is not very well matched and there tends to be more illnesses and hospitalizations. So The CDC estimates that when the vaccine is well matched to circulating influenza viruses, flu vaccination reduces the risk of flu illness by 40 to 60% for the overall population. And then another thing to know is that several different flu vaccines are available every year. We have several different manufacturers who make them and then there are a few different ways to make them and I can talk more about that later in the episode. Uh, So for a long time, most flu vaccines were what's called trivalent. So they protected against two different strains of influenza A and one strain of influenza B. And then uh, manufacturers started to offer quadrivalent flu vaccines starting in 2012. And those protect against two types of influenza A and two types of influenza B. So one thing for you to know for this year, for 2020, 2021, is that all flu vaccines except one are quadrivalent, actually. The trend has been to do more and more quadrivalence, and so now there's hardly anything left that is trivalent. And then vaccines can also vary in terms of whether they are standard dose versus high dose. And so that's a question of how much of the antigen they have in them to stimulate a response. And then there's one type of vaccine that also includes an adjuvant. So it's an additive that's designed to increase the immune system's response to the vaccine because more response from the immune system is better in that it means you're generating more protection from future infections. So in a little bit, I'll talk more about these high dose and adjuvant vaccines because they were actually designed for older adults. So if you wanna see a list of the influenza vaccines available this year, I will post a link to a table from the CDC and you can also find it in the article. Okay, so next common question that comes up regarding the basics of flu vaccination. Can you get the flu from the flu shot? What are the risks and side effects of influenza vaccination? So I've heard this a lot from patients. They're worried that they're going to get the flu from the flu shot. But the truth is you cannot get the flu from a flu shot. It's true that many of the currently recommended vaccines are made with inactivated virus. But that means the virus has been killed, and it can't become alive again. There is also one vaccine available that is made with what's called recombinant technology, which means they've cobbled together virus proteins, and that also cannot by itself give you influenza. Now, there is one type of vaccine that is made with what's called live attenuated form of influenza. So that means it's a live influenza virus that has been significantly weakened. So that is the nasal vaccine, flu mist. And it's only approved for people ages 2 through 49. It's given by nasal spray. It's understandably popular with children who don't like needles or other people who don't like needles. But it's not approved for older adults, people who are over age 65. And in fact, there's even been a question in the past of whether it works as well as the other vaccines. And there was a flu season or two when it wasn't approved, actually, because the CDC wasn't convinced that it worked well enough. It's since then been re-approved so it is an option again for people ages 2 through 49 but that also is not supposed to give you the flu if you are on the list of people who's allowed to get it you're it's i think also not allowed for people who have certain weakened immune systems or on or on immune suppressants so you're not going to get the flu from the flu shot Uh, what you can get and what you probably will get is arm soreness and sometimes arm redness. And people do sometimes feel like they got some body aches, fever, or cough after the flu shot. But a while back, they did a randomized trial, and they found that these side effects were equally common in people who had saline injected. So these symptoms after the flu shot, I mean, the sore arm is definitely from the vaccine and redness around the arm. But if you're getting other symptoms, it's either that you got sick from... Some kind of cold virus or something shortly after your flu shot. Or it could even be that since you were expecting to feel lousy, that might have helped provoke it because our bodies are very influenced by what can happen in our mind. In general, serious adverse effects related to the flu shot are very rare. Now, I know there are people, and they have commented sometimes on Better Health While Aging, who feel like vaccines are very dangerous, flu vaccines are very dangerous. I have reviewed some of the data. I don't look into it extensively anymore, but it's true that there are quite rare serious side effects from vaccinations, but they are much more rare than uh, getting the flu and getting a complication of the flu. So in general, I don't think it's worth worrying about serious adverse effects. I think you should just expect to have a sore arm after you get a flu shot. So, to go on with the basics, what are the best ways to protect oneself from influenza and its complications? So, you know, the general approach to reduce your risk for getting sick from the flu, and this applies also to COVID, in a little bit I'll talk about the similarities and differences between the two illnesses. But one thing that's good is a lot of the strategies that you can use to avoid catching one will work for reducing your risk of catching the other. But to reduce your risk of getting sick from the flu in particular, You basically wanna minimize your exposure to people who might have the flu and be spreading it. And then you wanna do what you can to bolster your immune system so that if you do get exposed to the influenza virus, you'll be less likely to get very sick. And then this isn't quite about bolstering the immune system, but to also protect oneself from influenza complications, I think it's a good idea for older adults to make sure they're up to date on their pneumococcal vaccination. So this is sometimes referred to as the, quote, pneumonia shot. It doesn't protect you against pneumonia. It's a vaccine that you take once after age 65. The brand name for it in the United States is Pneumovax. It's a vaccine that protects you against infection from a bacteria that's called pneumococcus, which is often involved in pneumonia. But there are certainly other kinds of pneumonias. That's why you can still get pneumonia even if you've had the, quote, unquote, pneumonia shot. So there is some research that suggests that pneumococcal vaccination helps reduce the risk of certain types of bacterial pneumonia and other complications of influenza. There was a 2016 meta-analysis, that's a review of lots of research, that concluded that being vaccinated for both influenza and pneumococcus was associated with a lower risk of pneumonia and death. So you only have to have it once, but you know, especially this year, when we're all on the lookout for respiratory illnesses, when you get your flu shot, that's a good time to check and make sure if you are an older adult over age 65, or if you're helping an older parent, to just check and make sure that that pneumococcal vaccination has been done at some point since the person turned 65. Now, to come back to the other you know, fundamentals on protecting yourself from influenza and complications, so, in terms of minimizing your exposure to influenza virus, the main way people get exposed to influenza is when they breathe in air droplets containing the influenza virus. Um, and those are created when people with influenza talk, sneeze, or cough. So, you want to be careful about being, you know, especially in indoor spaces with people who are talking, singing, coughing, especially if they are not wearing a mask. And then you want to wash your hands often. Because influenza, uh, they think the main way people catch influenza is by breathing it in, but influenza virus can also survive on a hard household surface for up to, up to a day. And then in terms of bolstering your immune system, a big part of this is just taking good care of your health and body. So, you know, not smoking, getting adequate sleep, trying to avoid chronic stress healthy nutrition, getting regular exercise. These are all things that generally put us in better health and enable our immune system to work better for us. And then the other way that you bolster your immune system against influenza in particular is to get vaccinated against the flu. So especially if the vaccine is a good match and you have a good antibody response, this is probably the best way to prepare. Now, what do we know about COVID-19 and influenza. So I wanna start off by addressing the question of how are these two viral illnesses that often affect our breathing, how are they similar and how are they different? So they do have a lot of similarities but also some important differences. The main similarities is that both viruses are mostly spread through an airborne route. So this means again that steps that you take to protect yourself from COVID-19 are probably going to reduce your risk of catching influenza as well. And then the other way in which they are very similar is that the initial symptoms of infection have a lot in common. So both of these viruses will often start off in people by causing what we call upper respiratory symptoms, such as cough, runny nose, fatigue, fever, and body aches. So what this means from a practical perspective is that this winter, it's going to be actually quite hard to tell the two conditions apart when somebody gets sick with these types of symptoms. We're going to have to test people to know which one it is. And then also in terms of similarities, both of these conditions are more likely to cause complications or severe illness as people get older. So those are some of the similarities, but there are important differences as well. So first of all, for COVID-19, it does look like people seem to be infectious for longer. Also, in mild COVID-19, meaning that hospitalization is not required, people seem to be sicker for longer than they are with the flu. So the flu is usually a bad kind of four to seven days, and people are reporting feeling ill for longer when they have COVID-19. So I would say COVID-19 seems to still be a more substantial illness, even when it's in its mild form. Another important difference is that we do have antivirals, such as Oseltamivir. The brand name is Tamiflu that are known to be active against influenza, but those antivirals do not work against the coronavirus and the medical researchers are still working to figure out which, if any, of the antivirals could be given to people. There's one right now that they're using in the hospital, remdesivir, but it's not available in an oral uh, form. And I think it's not yet recommended for people who have mild coronavirus and aren't yet hospitalized. So. So we're still working to figure out what are the antiviral options and other drug treatment options for COVID-19. And then, as you probably know, even though it's often said, oh, COVID-19, it's like the flu. I mean, maybe in its mildest cases, it's like the flu, but COVID-19 has been noted to cause much more severe and more varied illness in the body than influenza, such as clotting disorders, inflammation of organs other than the lungs, persisting long-term symptoms in some patients, and more. It also looks like COVID 19 may be more contagious than the flu under certain circumstances. And then, in terms of the mortality rate, so again, the mortality rate from the flu varies from year to year. It's partly about how severe were the particular influenza strains in a given year, and how effective of a match was the vaccine, and how many people were vaccinated. So the mortality rate can can vary for, for influenza, but uh, although we're still debating what exactly is the mortality rate for COVID-19, one challenge is we still don't know exactly how many people have had COVID-19. In adults at any given age, the mortality rate seems to be higher for COVID-19 than for influenza. And then last but not least, a big difference between the two is we do have a vaccine against influenza and a long track record for that vaccine, and we are still working on developing the vaccine for COVID-19. So in short, these two conditions are similar in how they spread and have common initial symptoms. And it is expected that this fall, as people have to be inside more, as the weather gets colder, they are expecting to see you know, more influenza and more COVID-19. And it'll be hard to tell them apart, but so far COVID-19 has caused much more serious disease and remains harder to treat. So next question that you might be wondering, is it possible to get influenza and COVID-19 at the same time, and how do they affect each other? So what we know so far is that, yes, it's possible to have both at the same time. We know this in part because uh, this past spring, a small number of patients were found to be co-infected with influenza and COVID-19 at the same time, and generally, they tested COVID-19 patients and found that it was not that a certain number of them had another viral infection at the same time. And sometimes that was influenza. So that said, our understanding of how these two viruses interact is quite limited because we haven't yet had large numbers of people be co-infected and we haven't yet studied that to see what happens. Also, some people are saying that it's not that important to get vaccinated against influenza because this year in the Southern Hemisphere, they had an unusually low number of influenza cases. So there are some people who are expecting that similarly in the Northern Hemisphere, because we're considered to follow them in the influenza cycle, that we're probably going to have a low number uh, as well. So I think it would be fantastic if we had a low number of influenza cases, but we really don't know what will happen. So many experts believe that the cases of influenza were low in the Southern Hemisphere because of all those social distancing restrictions and travel restrictions. It was also noted that there was less, I think, influenza in schools once the social distancing was imposed. So this was good in that we reduced, you know, we had less influenza burden of illness in the Southern Hemisphere, but it means we still, you know, don't have much to go on in terms of understanding how COVID-19 and influenza will overlap. Now that I've covered COVID-19 and influenza, let me talk about uh, what I think you should know specifically about flu shots for older adults. So one question that comes up often is, uh, is the flu vaccine effective for older adults? You may have heard people say that the flu shot doesn't work in older people, but I would say this is not entirely correct. Now, it is true that the flu vaccine generally seems to be less effective in older adults than in younger ones. And that's because an aging immune system doesn't respond as vigorously to the vaccine. There's a very well-known phenomenon of the immune system working less well as people get older. Don't ask me for a specific age cutoff. Because in some people, it ages and becomes dysfunctional fairly early and in some people later. But in everyone, it works less well when you're 80 than it did when you were 70 or even younger. And what this means is that, among other things, older adults tend to create fewer antibodies in response to vaccination. So if they are later exposed to the flu virus, they have a higher chance of falling ill compared to younger adults that said less effective doesn't mean not at all effective so this is where there's a lot of debates among experts and certainly the people who are against vaccination like to to pounce on this so first of all the cdc cannot count every older person who catches influenza or dies of influenza only pediatric deaths due to influenza are directly reportable so the cdc has to do this complicated modeling to estimate which proportion of deaths every winter were due to influenza, and then they kind of estimate how many were prevented by vaccination. For 2017, 2018, that was a bad flu season. They did estimate that vaccination prevented 65,000 hospitalizations in adults age 65 and older. So you can quibble about it, but I would say, uh, yes, I'm sure it works less well than in people who are younger. It may still provide some protection, especially the younger old who you are <laughs> the more. But yes, if you're, you know, for people who are very old, very frail, or have very uh, diminished immune systems, it might not be be doing much. But I generally consider that it's worth something if it's possible to to get it. And then the next question: Are there flu shots designed specifically for older adults? And the answer is yes. You've probably heard of them. And so, again, to compensate for this aging immune system, there have been efforts to develop vaccines specifically for older adults. And over the past several years, they've developed uh, two particular vaccines. So one that has a higher dose of antigen, and that is Fluzone high dose. And then another one that contains an adjuvant. So that means an additive meant to stimulate a better response to the vaccine. And that one is called fluod. There's certainly the theory behind them suggests that they should work differently. And there have been studies of some of them that, you know, are suggestive uh, of that. But to date, the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices does not particularly recommend these stronger vaccines for older adults. Their take is that older adults should get any influenza vaccination approved for their age. So that basically means all the vaccines approved for adults except for the flu mist, which has an upper age limit of 49. So for this year in particular, 2020 to 2021, the options that are specifically approved for older adults are flu zone high dose. And this year for the first time, it's quadrivalent, not trivalent. So in the past, people sometimes ask me, should I get a regular flu shot that's quadrivalent or should I get flu zone high dose, which is trivalent? Well, now you don't have to debate about that at, at all. Fluzone high dose is quadrivalent. And then the other vaccine, Fluod, this year comes in two versions. They have a quadrivalent version and a trivalent version. As far as I know, Fluod has not been tested in a clinical situation. That means when they give it to people and see did they get sick from the flu or not. I don't believe any of those studies have been published. They have uh, published studies of the kind of immune response to flu to the trivalent version, I believe. And it did show kind of more immune response than to a regular flu vaccine. So that's encouraging, but it's considered less good in terms of evidence than an actual clinical study. So whereas there was a study published in 2017 that found that using the high-dose vaccine in nursing homes was associated with a lower risk of hospitalization during flu season. So those are the three vaccines that are available for older adults uh, this year. Fluzone high-dose quadrivalent, fluod trivalent, and fluod quadrivalent. So in case you're wondering, does Medicare cover the cost of influenza vaccination? The answer is yes, it's 100% covered by Medicare with no deductible or copay. So if you get your flu shot from a health provider that accepts Medicare, there should be no cost. And so next, what influenza vaccination is best for older adults? So I will have a link that shows you all the available options. So let me emphasize again that uh, the CDC does not recommend any influenza vaccine over another for adults age 65 or older. But my own take is that if you have a choice I think you might as well go for one of the vaccines designed for older adults. Because again, we know that as people get older, the immune system responds less vigorously. So if you're going to bother to get vaccinated, I think you might as well be vaccinated with something that's um, a little bit stronger and likely to make a difference to the immune system. So uh, we do generally have more research and more clinical experience with flu zone high dose than with uh, fluod. So unless you're enrolling in a clinical trial of Fluod, I would suggest going with Fluzone high dose, but you will also have to see what is available uh, near you because I've had readers report that uh, their options near them were, were limited and that's important as well. So let me finish now by talking about what you can do if your older parent or relative is unwilling or unable to get vaccinated. So this is something that I've seen come up Every year I hear about it from readers, and when I worked in a primary care clinic, I also had lots of older adults decline or express reluctance to be vaccinated. So in terms of the older adults who seem to not want to get the flu shots, here are some things I suggest. So first of all, you know, start off with listening and trying to understand what their perspective is and especially what their fears and desires are. So, you know, before telling people what to do, we want to make sure we really understand what are the concerns. So we want to listen and understand what the older person believes about the flu and the flu shot. And then we want to provide information uh, in response to dispel any myths and misunderstandings. Because sometimes people just need a little bit of the right kind of information. And if you can provide that information and point out how this could help the older person reach one of their goals, that can be really helpful. So sometimes older adults are uh, more willing to consider a flu shot when we point out that it's less for them and more about potentially helping to protect their family members and neighbors. So getting a flu shot can reduce the risk that we pass on the flu to another person. That's for instance, the main reason that I get the flu shot. I'm less worried about, you know, being a healthy 40-year-old, 40-some-year-old at this point, a woman. I'm not super worried about getting complications of the flu, although I will point out that every year when we have a bad flu season with a severe strain, there are women my age, healthy women with children who die. So it's, you know, there's no guarantee. But still, in my own case, I get it because I especially don't want to pass it on to any of the older adults that I come into contact with. So sometimes that idea that you can be helpful to others by getting your flu shot is more motivating to people. You'll wanna make sure the older person knows they won't have to pay, since that sometimes is a barrier. And you could offer to go together to get your flu shots and make it like a, a family outing. So that's what I would do for somebody who's reluctant to get it. But there are some older adults who just have difficulty getting the flu shot because they're homebound or they have limited transportation options, or maybe the flu shot isn't available near them. So if this is your situation, please don't panic or worry about it. Because honestly, especially if the person is old enough and frail enough to be homebound, then they're gonna be one of those people who's perhaps less likely to have their immune system really respond to the flu shot. And so there, what's really important is to encourage flu shots uh, for yourself, for family, for others who are coming to the house. Because for older adults who aren't getting out much, their main source of exposure to the flu will be from those who come to them. So in general, although I encourage older adults to get their seasonal influenza vaccination every fall. The truth is that, you know, most years the chance of getting very sick or dying from influenza are small. This fall it's, you know, I think for most of us it's going to be higher to get quite sick from COVID. And since COVID is likely to be the focus, some people might be thinking, well, you know, why should I bother with the flu shot? As I said, we don't have a ton of real world experience with the two, but you know, the hope is that if we can help people protect themselves from influenza, that will perhaps result in fewer illnesses overall this fall, might free up time and space in doctor's offices and in the hospital, and any measures we can take to reduce illnesses, we're hoping that it will help. So if you're able to get your influenza vaccination this fall, I encourage you to do so. We're trying to get people to do it a little sooner this uh, this year than in past years. But if you don't get it done by the end of October and the opportunity arises in November, it's basically never too late until the flu season is completely over, which you know would be sort of April. So yes, that's my take for this fall. If you wanna find out where to get a flu shot, check with your health provider or check at vaccinefinder.org. I hope this has been helpful to you. Please stay safe. If you have questions, just post them in the show notes. Take care, everyone. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about something you heard in this episode, you can post it on the show notes page for the episode. I'll also be posting some links to some of the resources that I mentioned in the episode. To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net and click podcast in the main menu at the top. Last but not least, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes, and if you've already done that, please leave a rating and review. This makes it easier for others to discover our show in iTunes, and I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Kernison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.